Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Welcome to Second Wind. Our show today is going to be very interesting and I hope informative and mind-changing. We're going to, you know, when I started this program, it was really to target women going through second, needing their second wind, needing their push. It was for women 45 and over that were going through life changes. Now, this show was to offer encouragement and support for the change they may be experiencing. Also to offer options. You know, there are lots of options for us. And sometimes the situation of change can close our mind. My guests have all gone through transitions and overcome their life-changing events. They are the beacons of light to you, those that might need and are experiencing the sadness of times of transition. To briefly sum it up, there is life after transition. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise it all that we can make that change and move on to a bigger and more promising future. Many of the changes we address are results of our own actions in some way. Some will argue with me about that. But I want to share with you the thought of much of our world has things happening to them that really are results of none of their actions. And I mean by that, that their daily life, their daily life changes so subtly that communities find themselves in war zones. Unfortunately, much of our world finds these transitions happening in faraway places as well as our own neighborhoods and cities we live in. Violence seems to be happening all around us. Some of us are shielded from this reality better than others. Some are not. Complete countries are affected by the leadership of the country. And people in those countries or neighborhoods are left to deal with the terror of the event. The question is, how does this affect the individual's life that experiences this horror? So I ask our guest if she would be so gracious to share some of the transition of war with us that she experienced. Hopefully many of us will never experience this. But I do believe there is value in listening and becoming aware of what actually a war zone is. 
How long does this prolong? How long does this a prolonged condition affect somebody's life? She was only eight, very young, and experienced this like for eight years of her life, very young life. She lived in a war zone. I believe you will find her story to be an amazing journey of choice to live a fulfilled and promising life. And that she has done. Our guest today is Leela Microskandari, which I did it. Yay, I said it. <laughs> which you all know I, ha- I have this constant challenge with these, these interesting names. But Leela has is today the founder of Kids Growing City and Urban Gills Permaculture. She is an in, enthusiastic gardener and a certified permaculture designer who has a master's in degree in environmental studies with environmental and sustainable education diploma, as well as a business and sustainability sustainable diploma from Schulich School of Business at York University in Toronto, Canada. Leela has written edible gardening curriculum for schools, taught hundreds of kids how to grow food, has built numerous successful and sustainable school gardens, and trained many teachers to do the same. But you know, above all, our softer side also tells us she is a wife and the mother of two children who have been growing food with their kids for many years and knows the ins and outs of how to design a garden for kids. Get and keep them engaged and excited in how to plan for the most exciting kids' gardens. So how does a woman who is a software developer get into the gardening business? Leela, welcome. Hi, hi. Good morning, Joyce. Thank you so much. That was a profound introduction. <laughs> Thank you so much. And you pronounced my name perfectly. Thank you. Oh my! I goodness. myself struggle with names all the time. So oh, don't thanks, worry about thanks, it. Thanks. Well, my audience knows how I have struggled through many names <laughs> on this program. And I just, uh, so I feel really good when I'm at, am challenged by um, um Unusual name. That's unusual. You know, most of it Americans is. are called Smith, Brown, you know, <laughs> really simple names. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is an unusual name. And it, and it is a long one, too. So it, it has a lot of syllables. So whenever I have to spell it for somebody, I I apologize in advance because <laughs> it takes forever. But yeah, yeah, I bet it doesn't fit into any of those forms that we have to fill out. Right, it's way too right. long. The space yeah. is not long enough. It usually fills it all up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were so gracious and uh, to agree to sort of give it give us an insight into what happened in your younger life. Um, you know, most of us don't experience that, and I think there's real benefit in your sharing it with us. So you were in Tehran, is that correct? Where did your yes. journey start, or the war start? 
Right. Well, I was born in Tehran, which is in Iran. Um, And when I was one year old, the Islamic Revolution happened, uh, which was a huge transition for the whole country. And then only two years after, which is when I was three years old, um, our country got into a war with a neighboring country, Iraq. And Mm -hmm. the war lasted for eight years. So mm. from when I was three years old uh, up until when I was 11, essentially. That's a lot of growing years in there. Yeah, it was. Mm. Essentially, most of my childhood um, yeah. you know, up until two years before I became a teenager. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the, the thing is when a war ends, it doesn't actually end. Like, yeah, the terror and horror of, you know, bombardments and all of that ends, but the ruins that, you know, a country has to build and, Mm. you know, all the sanctions and all the problems and shortages in food and water and all that that comes with it lasts many years even after the war. So, Mm -hmm. and, yeah, I guess it's uh, most of my childhood, I can say. (laughs) My my little sister, she's younger, four years younger than me. She, when she was born, we were in a war and her first Mm -hmm. seven years of her, her childhood um yeah yeah when went through that that well less than seven so never yeah. do math uh, on the fly right <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't <laughs> but yeah she's four years younger than me and yeah many years of like at least five four well, five you years do, of her child. you do bring up a very important thing that maybe we would overlook that during the war there are certain things that happen, the fear, the, you know, the just terror of bombings every night. Will I die? Am I safe? All the security issues. But then seeing the culture of your com- country just in ruins, the, I mean, certainly the buildings, not the, the teachings. And, and perhaps you've lost some of your teachers, Um but seeing the, the the abundance of the country just totally changed, that has to create its own issues right there. Yeah, That's for sure, scarcity. for sure. Again, war is like, it's very destructive in many levels. It's not mm-hmm. just human lives that are dis- dis- destroyed. It's, you know, the whole infrastructure of a country can completely be destroyed and has to be rebuilt. Mm. And, you know, and it's just, and culturally, uh, you know, it's human lives in terms of people who die is one thing, but he, people mm-hmm. who survive, you know, and have to go through the transition of, you know, dealing with all the horror that had happened to them and, mm-hmm. you know, being able to take out of that and, you know, right. continue into a, a productive and meaningful life is is pretty... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. <laughs> That's now, the least. Yeah. yeah. Now you you shared with me that you were not um, you were in the city where the bombings were. You didn't experience some of the scarcity that some families went through. Yeah, uh, that's right. I was lucky. I was because mm-hmm. uh, we were living in Tehran, and Tehran is in the middle of the country, so it's far from the border. There are there were lots of um, City, cities that were closer to the border um, that were much more affected because they were actually essentially physically attacked 
mm-hmm. on the ground, and people in those cities had to migrate into our cities, so they had to come and leave their homes. And these yeah. are normal, regular people, you know, doctors mm-hmm. and teachers and, you know, farmers yes. and, you know, just people, people just like you and me um, that right. are just trying to live their lives, uh, normal lives, and now all of a sudden they have to completely abandon their their lives that they have built there, their homes mm-hmm. and their occupations and everything, and just, you know, take everything and leave and come to the other cities that were further from the border. So uh, I've had friends who in school who, who were going through that, you know, um, mm-hmm. so personally, the war affected me, um, like I was not in a war zone, so yeah. I was in a city that was regularly bombarded, uh, you know, with bombs and, and uh, rackets, and I do mm-hmm. remember, because we had, uh, there was an, um, alarm or alert that would go off, um, yeah. so there, there was this, um, silent, um, radio signal that mm-hmm. uh, my parents would listen to like it, there was nothing it was silent and mm-hmm. overnight and it was always on so that if there there was a bombardment they it would go off and they would hear it and they mm-hmm. would wake up and i remember waking up uh, in the middle of the dark in my father's arms mm-hmm. in in under the staircase of our apartment building because it was like it was thought that it the safer place for some reason. Nobody knew <laughs> where it's safe and where it isn't, you know. But mm-hmm. um, so, and they would they would try to you know take us there and bring us back without us waking up. But obviously, um, many nights I woke up and and we were you know under this staircase in my father's arms, and he was like, "Don't worry, honey. It's like it's just it's gonna pass." Mm. Right, and I and I remember, yeah. you know, the sound of the the rackets coming through because they had a screaming sound, mm. <laughs> that, and and you could hear them, you know, coming closer and closer, mm-hmm. and it would it would end with a blast, obviously, a, a, mm. a loud sound, and I remember mm. the bittersweet mm-hmm. feeling of thinking, oh, thank God it wasn't me, but but right immediately I would think, what well, who was it? But it mm, could be a mm. friend, it could be a family, it could be it could be anybody, you know. Best case scenario, it was somebody in my city, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Even if I didn't yeah. know them, right? Right. So, um and it it it's like eight years of that, you know, <laughs> ups and downs. Sometimes yeah. you know, the bombardments were more, some sometimes they were less. I remember my little sister, she was maybe three, four years old. Mm-hmm. I remember it was in the middle of the day and the alarm went off and and I remember she ran into, like, it was this area in the apartment. For some reason, she thought it was safe. <laughs> so she uh-huh. ran there. And I remember her screaming and crying, I don't want to die, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And she was only, like, three, four years old. Mm. And um, I, I remember my mom, right now she's in her 60s, and she lives here in Toronto as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember her saying, but I don't want this for my child. She's only three, four years old. Yeah. Why should right. she be screaming and thinking about dying? You know, it's mm-hmm. it's really unfair. It's a very unfair. Right. Well, wars are unfair, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't, it's unfair. We don't need, You're right. Yeah. Just that. It is. Well, it is. you grew up. 
and I don't, I want to move on because I want to, I know there's so much you could share with us, but having experienced this life very early on, you moved in and you told me about um, sort of how you were, you married your husband and then you relocated to Toronto that's right. So we essentially have gone through a few different transitions, if yep. we want to call it. Yeah. So yep. war was one, um, immigration was the second one. So me and my husband immigrated to Canada. Uh, we got here um, after four years. It took four years for Canada to process wow. our application. Yeah. And then we came to Canada in 2001. We got here. Um, and yeah, and that's another transition. So, you know, the thing is, all my life, although I've been living with, you know, the horrors of war and, you know, um, sanctions and shortages of food and, you know, uh, water Mm -hmm. and all that, and seeing my, a lot of my friends, you know, having trouble, you know, their parents putting food on the table. But, but we all, I also grew up in a, and an ancient culture uh, that's all about <laughs> it's it's really funny like it's the 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 difference between what was happening physically in our world and what our culture taught us was so much like because our culture is a culture of tolerance and unity and abundance and acceptance and empathy oh. and love you know and it's like we have poets like Rumi and Hafez uh-huh. and Sadi uh-huh. you know mysticism and Sufism, uh, you know, are born in, in our area of the world. So we have, we, like, uh, Sadi's um, famous poem uh, is at the United Nations Wall, which says, human beings are members of the whole in creation of one essence and soul. If one member is afflicted with pain, other members uneasy will remain. If mm-hmm. you have no sympathy for human pain, the name mm-hmm. of human you cannot retain. And, yeah, you know, and we have poets like Rumi who talk about unity and that we are all one and the abundance of this world and, you know, and, and tolerance, you know, mm-hmm. which is exactly opposite of war. So I've been experiencing this intolerance and competition and violence while I've been learning through our, you know, culture and history about, um, you know, tolerance and acceptance and empathy which have been a seed that's been you know, planted in my mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, like Rumi says, out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right doing, there is a field. I'll meet you mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, um, and when I came to Canada, um, obviously at the beginning, it was the idea, the idea in my mind was the problems are, uh, in this world are really severe. There's nothing mm-hmm. I can do about them. Mm-hmm. So, all I need to do is to take care of me and my immediate family, and that's all. So it's a scarcity-based mentality, you know, essentially. Yes. Uh-huh. But the seed of abundance and, you know, um, sharing and empathy has been something that's been planted in my mind through my culture when I came here. And the ease and the relaxed environment of Canada and, you know, the kind, really, Canadians are really kind. <laughs> and, <laughs> and yeah, so it's like uh, being, in, you know, accepted and invited into, yeah. I- into this, uh-huh. you know, gave me this ability to tap into 
the the abundant part of me, mm. you know, the the mm. tolerance part of me, the empathy and love part of me, and yeah. looking at the world in a different way. Um, but then my my next um, transition essentially was motherhood. So when I became mm. a mother, it was in 2003. My my older daughter was born. Um, well, you know, as a as a young mother, uh, it it took me a few years to you know settle down into the role. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But after a while, and my, my second daughter came, and she, so I was on my second maternity leave, and mm-hmm. we had a one-year maternity leave here in, in Canada. So that gave me, a, um, you know, a time to, you know, sit back and think a little bit more about my, my life. And I remember I joined Facebook, and, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I came across, um, uh, the idea of permaculture, and oh, yeah. it resonated with me. Resonated so deeply, I was amazed because, again, I was thinking there's nothing I could do, right? Right. This is the way it yeah. is. The world is a mess, and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm so small, and there's nothing one person can ever do to solve anything or to help anything. Right. And I was completely abandoning the idea of politics religion, like, there was nothing that I could, I was very spiritual, very, because living in a war environment makes you, mm. <laughs> you yeah. know, um, yeah, mature in, in many different ways, and mm-hmm. um, you you do see the need to hanging on to a, a you know, a higher being, mm-hmm. um, but, but anyway, I don't want to go on a tangent here. So the, <laughs> the idea, because I can do that, I can do that. <laughs> I hope you okay. stop me whenever the, I do that. <laughs> you were introduced to permaculture, but right. so you can explain what permaculture is for my for our audience today. Of Would you course. tell us what that is? Oh, sure. So permaculture is, um, and, and, and I'm quoting from uh, Bill Mollison, who's the father of permaculture. He says, permaculture is, the conscious design and maintenance of agriculturally productive ecosystems, which have the diversity, stability, and resilience of natural ecosystems. So essentially what permaculturists do, they look at the uh, nature and how it works mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. natural forests and how that in that ecosystem there is no need for, you know, fertilizing and animal control. And it's, a, it's an ecosystem that's producing for all the species that are living in it, and it does it in automatically, right, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's an ecosystem that works, and mm-hmm. it maintains itself and regenerates itself. And then they look at that, and they mimic that into a food forest that can provide for humans without mm. us having to work too much or spend a lot of resources in terms of labor, money, and, um, and material resources like fertilizing or any, anything like that, um, mm-hmm. which, is, which essentially is the idea of uh, that, that, that food and food production, and not just food, like even energy um, and, and uh, material and non-material, shelter and all of that can be abundantly available if we learn to work with nature. Essentially, that's the idea. Mm. I think that's so amazing that you, out of scarcity, the mentally scarcity issue that you 
came from early life um, that you you attached to or became so interested in something that really is um, part of um, um, godly uh, control or right. higher being control. The permaculture is what we've been given on as part of living on earth. And okay. I just think that's awesome that you were able to pick up on that and know I can I can put my faith in this. Exactly. it's about faith, exactly. Yeah. And it's and it's not just faith in terms of like it's not a belief system, like it has uh, scientific <laughs> proof yes. behind it as well, yeah. you know. So it's yeah. it's best of all 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 worlds <laughs> essentially, because right. yeah yeah. So it's um, because science comes from nature and the natural world, yeah. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. So and it, there are rules and regulations in science. We don't understand all of it, obviously, um, but it exists. Even even if we do or do not understand it, and the complexity that exists in 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 the natural world, um, if we learn to work with it instead of against it, um, mm-hmm. then we could it could you know it can provide for us essentially. It it's here to provide for us, and and it's just a matter of learning how to how to accept it and learn from it and work with it. Essentially, work. I love with it. that. I love the the security that we've got it. We've got we can we can learn this and and it can be it just assures us of our future and our life. Right. To have right. this permaculture knowledge. Yeah. Right. Right. It's, so did you start that you started your study with permaculture and 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 it created a company to support that but then you created um, your next phase, which was Kids Growing City? Right. So, um, as, as I talked about, like, motherhood was another transition, right, in yes. life for me. And uh, looking at the education my daughter was receiving, my older daughter, mm-hmm. and and thinking about the, all these problems in this world and seeing how these problems are even more perpetuated from my time mm-hmm. of childhood Mm-hmm. Um, into, you know, so, for example, we didn't have, you know, that much technology uh, right. around us, uh, that, uh, and our kids are bombarded with technology, and a lot of it is, is, is good, but a lot of it is also, you know, addictive and not yeah. very, like, it could be harmful, especially mm-hmm. for younger ages. Yeah. Also, we were not bombarded with so much advertisement and so many food choices, like in terms of junk food and GMOs yeah. and unhealthy, you know, food. We, we, yeah. we weren't, you know. It's- okay, Leela, I want to stop you here because I don't want you to get I wanted them to hear the story completely. And, of course, we have to go to commercial break. Right, right, right. <laughs> Hold on to that. But it's fascinating to know how she, how Leela made this transition so that it could become a tool that her children use to help create tomorrow. I think this is a wonderful story. And we are going to hear more about this as we come back. And she explains how she created Kids Growing City and has become this just awesome um, teacher. So we will be back shortly to hear Leela tell us about the transition she went through.
transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Leela has been sharing with us her journey from living in a, um, a country, Iran, Tehran, uh, Iran, where she spent much of her younger years from three plus eight, would be 11 years, in the war and how that created for her scarcity um, because not only does war stop after the peace treaty, but it continues the rebuilding part of the community and the life in the country. So out of that, when she moved, she and her husband moved, they became parents. She became fascinated by permaculture, which is reclaiming the earth and providing through the earth that it will provide for you. So, from that, she created Kids Growing City, which is a further extension from that grew out of her love and appreciation for permaculture. So, I had to interrupt you. Now you can just tell us more about this, Lila. How, why did you create Kids Growing City? I know it was because of the influence of your children, but you still felt there was another way you could contribute. Yes. So essentially, um, you know, motherhood changes all of us, right? And parenthood essentially, it it has a a huge impact because, you know, up until that point in our lives, we are responsible essentially for us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then after that, all of a sudden, there's another human being that that mm-hmm. that you are responsible for, and they're so small, and you know they they it's like the the decisions we make in life essentially mm-hmm. impact the, their life mm-hmm. in a huge way. Um, so um, when I had um, was on my math leave um, with my second daughter, I came across permaculture, as I was 
talking to you about. And then mm-hmm. when when I went back to work, um, so this idea of permaculture kept, uh, you know, growing in my mind. And I started reading more about it and 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 um, getting books. And then I got it to convince my manager to give me two weeks of in a row of vacation time. I went and. Uh, um, Got my permaculture certificate and then came back. And all in all that time, I was looking at what my daughter, my older daughter, was learning in school, and uh, also looking at all the issues and all the problems again that exist around her. Um, yes. And and comparing that with when I grew up, um, mm. y- you know, and. Y- y- the fact that she is bombarded with advertisements of, uh, you know, non-food, essentially, right. um, junk, yes. junk food and, and all of that, and uh, the exposure to addictive technology and mm-hmm. the existence of food and water shortages in the world. At the mm-hmm. same time, the exposure to junk food and advertisements with that. And seeing that in school, she was not being, you know, the school essentially is, um, unfortunately, not meeting the gap um, because, you know, well, my mom, for example, and my grandparents, I, I'm sure that they can relate to this even more because the difference between their time when they were children and their grandchildren's time is even further, even wider, right? Yes. And mm-hmm. um, and this gap essentially is not met by schools because I, I felt like my children are not given the skills and the tools mm-hmm. to deal with the right. ever-increasing problems of this world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate that these problems are not only not solved, we still have wars and we still have, you know, all that. The, yes. the, the food shortages are worse and the water short- shortages are predicted to be. It's true. That know. is a war too, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Which and now water is going to create wars in the world. Yes. Know? Now right. it was oil. Uh-huh. Now it's going to be water. So it's like it's getting worse and worse. And this feeling in my heart that that I'm not giving my children because they're not learning anything they need to in school, um, yep. and I'm not giving that to them either. That that sparked the idea of starting to grow my own food uh, since mm-hmm. I are also had this, um, you know, backing of permaculture knowledge a little bit of what I've read and studied and, uh, you know, got the certificate and all that. And behind me, I was like, okay, so we, uh, we need to start, you know, getting our food system into our own hands as much as possible, like a grassroots type right. of. Um, so, so did you start with your own children creating this curriculum, or did you? Was that the teacher in you? Because she has software development background, right? So she <laughs> right. went from corporate America, which so many of our women do, and um, and just continued to create and use her skills to build a program that she's taught the curriculum to teach in schools so did you start as sort of your practice area with your child with your children and then grow from there or what was the process so i started growing food at at home first um, because i was under this impression that i have to learn this first 
before mm-hmm. I can teach it to my mm-hmm. children, which which is not necessarily the case now. I, I have learned the hard way that it's like you have to engage children from the very beginning and give them their own gardens and all that. But anyway, at that point in time, from what I knew, I started to grow my own food. And then uh, one day I approached my daughter's school, my older daughter's school, and I asked if I could um, offer an after-school program. And the lady at the desk, well, they knew me because I was a parent and my daughter was going there for a few years. So she asked, sure, like, what is it that you want to teach? I'm like, gardening. And I remember her eyes, like, shined so quickly. She was like, wow, that is that is an interesting idea. And I'm like, uh-huh. yeah, so let's <laughs> hold on to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, and I was not a teacher, obviously, and I, I knew how to grow food, but growing food in schools, I quickly right. found out that is very different than growing food in at home. But anyway, so I, um, we, we said, well, we were, we're going to offer this to parents, and if there were any interested, then, then, then I'll worry about, you know, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. I had ideas, obviously, in my mind, but I hadn't written completely the curriculum because I wasn't even sure if people would be interested in it, right? Yes. So they offered it, and we had full enrollment and a wait list, and I was, like, stunned. I'm like, wow. So it's, <laughs> it's not just me. There are other parents out there, <laughs> you know. Well, Leah, how thinking, many is full enrollment? Full enrollment. How many? It was fifteen, oh. and it was a very small school. It was a private, privately owned yeah. school at that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and uh, and I was like, okay, <laughs> this is interesting. So, at least there are fifteen other parents. Yes. Uh, and more, because we had a wait list as well that mm-hmm. are interested in this. So that 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 tells me that it, you know I'm not alone. Like. This feeling that we have yes. to do better in our children's education is is not just me. It's not just because I come from Iran, or it's not just because you know I, I my own experience. All the parents are feeling that, that there's something missing in in the education of their kids, and or at least fifteen plus of them. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, so well, I you know, was, I just think the 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 whole thing that they would know that they have the power to grow a tomato or a a, a green vegetable if they like green vegetables but that's very powerful right there it just is. knowing they it have is. the ability it's very to do empowering that. exactly it's very empowering mm-hmm. um you know it's the, the the it's like there are many benefits of growing a school garden or a home garden with kids many benefits like there are research after research that shows that 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 those kids who grow their own food they're more likely to eat the food, um, mm-hmm. eat more uh, you know fresh vegetables, and mm-hmm. also um, are more willing to try different varieties that 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 they're not normally um, used to. And also, they um, you know they spend a lot more time outdoors. You know, mm-hmm. and fresh air and the the soil. So there's studies that shows that in a good quality soil, there are enzymes that when mm-hmm. when you touch them through skin, they create happiness. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, and no. yeah, and they're actually using gardening for you know helping patients 
patients with uh, um, Alzheimer's and depression and uh, mental diseases mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it creates this joy yeah. and happiness. And it's not just because you're outside and in fresh air. It actually physically, through skin, creates, you know, <laughs> happiness, like scientifically right. proven. So there are mm-hmm. so many different benefits. And our kids are so much, you know, indoors and, you know, playing video games and, and you know, watching TV. So, and did all you that. have any difficulty selling this to uh, the school so that they would put this? In, is this called an extracurricular activity? Right. So, at the beginning, it was an extracurricular activity in my daughter's okay. school only. So, I wrote the curriculum, and then then I ran it, and obviously tweaked it a little bit every time that I ran it. And yes. after a while, I I thought, well, if this this can work in one school. Let me try out and see if other parents and other schools are interested. So, mm-hmm. so I started approaching other schools, and at that time, I moved my daughter from a private school to a public school, which was closer. So I approached them, and then from there, I started. You know, the 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 kids going to be essentially started. The schools are very much interested, but they do have you know their own concerns and, and worries, mm-hmm. obviously, because, again, growing a food garden in a school is different than, than growing one in, uh, at home because schools have their own schedule and their own, yes. you know, regulatory, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things that they have to worry about. And, um, you know, so the buy-in has to come from a little bit above than, you know, the school board and it's not just the... Just the so there are many different aspects that I had to deal with, and you know the experience of years of doing it with schools uh, have taught mm-hmm. me, you know, what are those issues that need to be addressed or looked at before we even talk about, you know, having a school garden, and then how to engage the community of of the teachers and the parents and and, and all of that. So it's a whole, yeah, it's a whole it world of it is. It is huge, and it is. But at the same time, it's pretty simple. When you put it in, you know, structures and processes, and then then you explain, you do this, and then next you do that, and then next you do that, and then this is, you know, and the testimonials of my previous schools, all the Mm -hmm. school gardens that were um, successful would help as well. So, yeah, there's a process of, you know, going through, not all the schools go for it, obviously, but Mm -hmm. there are there is this ever-increasing interest in right. adding this to our uh, education. Now, do you system. deal primarily with schools, or do you... I know you're working on a curriculum, a program that that could be... Um, they could um, get involved with on your website, but would okay. that be for s- schools or for individual families? So I do teach... Uh, parents and grandparents to how to grow food in their own home as well. So I have, uh, I'm actually right now in the middle of launching a, a free um, video series for parents and grandparents um, oh. who are, yeah, who are interested in growing food at home. Um, mm-hmm. So, yes, yeah, so the, essentially I work in both uh, areas, uh, mm-hmm. if we can call it that. So I have online programs for teachers, you know. So oh, I run, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, so I run my – so that comes from, from the abundance model, right? So mm-hmm. I, my, my business model is not a repeat business. 
Um, so when I go to a school, I set up their entire system for them, and I also train their teachers so that mm-hmm. next year they can actually bring the program in-house and they don't have to pay me after that. So they, mm-hmm. Because the sustainability of a school garden really relies on the community that are living with that school garden. Otherwise, it's not going to be like one year the budget is there to hire me. Next year, yes. it's not. And yeah. you don't want that school garden to be, you know, abandoned and not not used. And so, mm-hmm. the part, an important part of my my offerings when I go to a school is that I train their teachers, the ones that are interested. Obviously, not not everybody's interested, but right. Um, yeah. So, and I have online uh, an, an online course that I developed as part of my major project in my master's degree um, for teachers. Uh, mm-hmm. that teaches them how to grow food in schools. Uh, I'm also developing um, an online course for parents. So, mm-hmm. and there's, uh, there's, so if any parents or grandparents are interested in the idea, um, essentially if they go to my website, they can join my uh, list, and there's, there's always something new. Like I send out um, uh, weekly uh, vlogs, that are, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, I try to as much as possible give out um, free information so that people can get started on this. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, and right now no, I'm we'll, about to mm-hmm. launch. So one. they can go to your website, share with us what that is. So, because I know there's someone that needs you out there. <laughs> Thank you. So mm-hmm. it's, a kid, it's kidsgrowingcity.ca. Um, and uh, when you go there, there is a um there is like uh, at the top there is a link that you mm-hmm. can join uh, there are two different lists uh, one for teachers the people who mm-hmm. are interested in growing in schools and one for parents and grandparents so depending on your situation and what it is that you want to learn then you join that list and then i mm-hmm. keep sending you information free information about how you can get started uh, what to pay attention to, what not to worry about too much, um, what to start with kids and what to avoid growing as a, as a beginner, um, essentially how to set up a kid's garden at home or school. So a kid's mm-hmm. garden is one that is entirely built, planted, mm-hmm. maintained, and harvested by kids. Um, well, you know, so- I can... For those out there listening that may be, um, as I said, over 45 and they're going, oh, this is too much work. I don't want to do this. But the rewards for doing this are so great for your grandkids. They're living in a plastic world where they go out and buy food already prepared, which I see many, many, many of our mothers doing. There's no routine. There's no time together. There's no producing anything together other than play. And, right. and to teach this to your children that that you can grow your own tomatoes that with with not really a lot of work it's just more of knowing how and implementing those um, steps that you need to do um, is really valuable if you want to do something to help your grandkids grow character and a resilience for um, for us for difficult times, this is the tool you need to give them, not another uh, toy. Right. So I'm, that's right. My, that's my step. I'm standing on the the <laughs> courthouse <laughs> no, steps, really so seeing right. the benefits you're, of your program. 
It's uh, awesome. Well, absolutely. It's like the the, the happy ha- memories uh, that you are you know, that, that your grandkids would have in the garden with you is so empowering, and and oh. you know, it's planting the seed in their mind that mm-hmm. they're not alone in this world, and nature is is not against them. Nature is you know helpful, and if they learn how to work with it. They, it, it's going to provide for them, you know, when yes. they grow up thinking, you know, so because, you know, economic situation always changes and it unfortunately gets worse and worse, you know, mm-hmm. and, you know, when they get to a situation that, that, that jobs might be an issue, they're not going to, you know, the, there are so many teenagers that, you know, end up, you know, <laughs> Like we don't want to you know, go into the negative realm mm-hmm. of our world mm-hmm. too deeply here, because um, but but they, they end up with suicide and all, you know because they just feel that they're alone mm-hmm. and that that there's nothing they can do. Like they they feel they can't powerless. Do anything. Yeah, right. yeah. But right. if they have this seed planted in their mind that it's that's not the case. They're mm-hmm. not alone, they're, they're, and they have the power. You know, the empowerment that comes with growing a garden is huge. That mm-hmm. they they learn that they're empowered, and their actions essentially can can build a, a positive future. And if they learn how to work with nature and be patient and all that, so it teaches. Yeah, it's it's amazing, profound. Um, well, Leela, I see this also being a great, um, I used to be involved with the Children's Museum. I can mm-hmm. see this being a wonderful learning tool for them. Or someone, maybe a woman that doesn't have any direct children, she's, you know, would like to, or a man, would like to do something for their community with the community kids. Oh, um, yeah, for sure. Wouldn't this be powerful to do, to to pull a community together instead oh, sure. of those those noisy kids, we would learn to appreciate them in a different way and, and to sure. see the wonder and excitement they would be in producing something like a green pea or a tomato would just be <laughs> really so exciting. Yeah. No, for I'm sure. For sure, it's exciting. It's, I'm going to yeah, Food brings us together. Those. Food always Food always brings us together, and and going food can can do that in a huge way. Um, yeah. yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and the, I'm going to spell your website for them. It's kids k i d s growing g r o w i n g city c i t y all one word no space dot C-A, because Leela is in Canada, and um, so that's the, is that the sign for Canada, C-A? That's right, yes, C-A. Yeah. <laughs> I don't use that very often. Yeah, it doesn't but, make any difference. <laughs> yeah, you're, also on, you're also on Facebook, um, at facebook.com slash kids, K-I-D-S, Growing City, and what do you have on your Facebook? Do you have a community or, or um, some way that people can, do you do blogs or what do you, how do you work mm-hmm. your Facebook? 
Well, on Facebook, I anything that I uh, send to my um, newsletter um, mm-hmm. usually goes on my Facebook as well. But mm-hmm. if there's any events, because I do have uh, you know local you know workshops like live workshops for teachers, yeah. things like that. Um, I also put it up there for teachers to know. I have a group for um, uh, like educators, uh, which is a closed group on Facebook. Uh, it's for people who join my online course, essentially. And I, I do have um, one for parents and grandparents. Um, mm-hmm. It's essentially a group, Facebook group, for for all of us to you know talk to each other and we share our, um, you know, challenges and our um, excitement and experience and success and all that with pictures and all that. So it's, a, it's an interesting one. Um, so if you go and find me on Facebook, at the Kids Growing City site on Facebook, then you'll, you'll, see, you'll see all of that and you can join us and, you know, get into excitement. And I, one thing I want to, to share if you don't mind, is no. this idea of this is going to be a lot of work is the first thing that comes to people's minds. Mm-hmm. And it it will be if you do it wrong, you know. Mm-hmm. It, it will, no, no, seriously, because I've gone through that, you know, because mm-hmm. I had never grown food in my life as a child, and nobody in my family knew how to grow food. And I was a software developer, so I was in the technical world, corporate corporate world, Mm-hmm. And um, when I got started doing this, I did so many mistakes and, you know, did it in so many different wrong ways. And, yes, it can become a hassle, essentially, and, but mm-hmm. it doesn't have to. So if you do it the right way, if you work with Mother Nature, if you um, have the right material for, for kids in terms of engaging them and getting them interested in growing food, if you grow the right seeds, with, that mm-hmm. that are suitable for kids that gives them quick empowering results, and you know if you create a chore-free garden for kids and all of that, it it actually you can essentially build a garden that you don't have to work in at all. It's all going to get done by your kids without you having to you know remind them or nag them. So it's a complete. If you build that complete system, um, it's not a lot of work at all. Actually, one of the the main uh, philo- parts of the philosophy of permaculture is to work with nature so that we work less. Ah. The permaculturists are very lazy people. <laughs> 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 no, we are, because essentially the idea is if, if something is not necessary to do, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. No? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so if, you know, if permaculture is behind you and if you set up your system your mm-hmm. ecosystem, no matter how small, essentially, the right way, it, it is the reward way surpass, you know, uh, surpass the, the work that you have to do. Um, right. Yeah, so it can be very rewarding, essentially. Now, are you, have you expanded outside of Canada, or is it primary your work right now is in Canada? And you're probably well, willing to expand it. It's, oh, for sure, it's just for sure. It's, part of the um, so my work has has physical on site uh, aspect, mm-hmm. and it also has online aspect. The online aspect is what I'm really excited about because it helps me reach out to people all around the world. You know, yes. and teaching parents and grandparents all around the world. Um, 
um, to to do this with their kids. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the on-site part of it is essentially because I have teachers that I have trained, so I have staff yeah. and th- that go to mm-hmm. schools, and so essentially mm, that is mostly in Canada, essentially mostly in greater Toronto area because yeah. that's where I live. Mm-hmm. Um, but another part of you know my plan for expanding this is to share the knowledge with sure. teachers of the world. You know, so. Yeah. Um, my online course would teach them how to do this in their yeah. cities and in their well, countries. Well, I have to cut you because we're just about out of time. But you have added so much value to the possibility of expanding and encouraging our young people through your kids' growing city. And I've I've thoroughly enjoyed the sharing of our time today. I applaud what you are doing. I think it's very important and necessary that we teach our children they can be self-sufficient and therefore give them courage and confidence in the future. Uh, That's so needed in today's world. Thank you so much, Joyce. Thank you for being on my program today. Oh, thank Um, you for having me. Yes, yes. It's been an honor. I want to do a garden. <laughs> so anyway, I applaud you. I wish you all the luck in the world. And people out there, please go to her website and get acquainted and know about kidsgrowingcity.com. Dot C-A. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, Thank you, you, Joyce. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, Women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at 